0: Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply.
1: This episode is brought to you by Pedigree. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it is closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff on Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And today we were talking about something that is very timely. And also, I'm about to go on vacation. So we're recording a lot ahead of time. So by the time you hear this, things could have changed a lot. So the date as we're recording this is July 18th. 2023 and it's like normally we don't record our Monday minis this early anyway. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But I wanted to talk about it. Uh, We are talking about kind of what's going down in Hollywood with the strikes but also some um, awards announcements and stuff. And I wanted to talk about this when the writer's strike first happened. But at the time I couldn't find anything There wasn't a lot of information out about it yet. Um, But now there is. Now there's a lot more. So we're going to talk about both the writer's strike and the, the actor's strike. So also you can see our past episode that we did on women in unions and why it is a feminist issue and why so many women are involved in unions. But okay, so for the first time since 1960, both the Writers Guild of America, the WGA, and the Screen Actors Guild and American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, or SAG-AFTRA, are on strike at the same time. And for a fun fact, Ronald Reagan was president of SAG in 1960 when this was happening.
2: Yeah, I saw that. and I'm like, why does that go against everything I know about Reagan? Maybe because right? I don't think of him as an actor anymore and just the, one of the worst presidents in the world. Yes, I know that's an opinion. I'm going to stick to it. <laughs>
1: Yes, but also he was such a conservative. It yeah. doesn't seem like he would be into unions. I will say
2: I feel like the unions and the labels of unions changed
1: mm. since the old
2: days. Like Not yeah. that it wasn't, I guess, liberal or like forward-thinking at that point in time or more uh, socialist, but it was more like because it was the working-class people who were really mm-hmm. into unions before it was all busted up. Um, and I feel like that was kind of—was it around that era? The whole big, bad, like, literally people were dying level of
1: union busting. Yeah, which is definitely a whole thing. Um, so look into that if you haven't already. Um, so as of this point, the writers have been on strike four weeks since May 2nd, 2023, in case you're listening to this in a different year, uh, because I kept getting stuff from 2008, which I remember that strike very well. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Reality but, no. shows were birthed essentially. Yes. yes. I'm going to talk about that in a second. Um, but yes. Um, so with things like streaming and AI, entertainment is in a real place of flux and turmoil and change right now. And this has brought almost all production to a halt. Um, but there are things that are non-struck. I will say that. And you can look up on um, both of their respective websites, what is non-struck, which is voted on by the union or agreed upon by the union. So just be careful before you're like, oh, you're breaking the strike. Some things are not struck. But uh, these strikes were overwhelmingly authorized by their members by like 97% like around there. And both unions have similar demands, uh, many around tech and compensation. As I said, I did want to include this quote from Box about the SAG strike specifically. To be clear, a strike doesn't mean people can't act at all. It means they cannot perform work for struck companies, which is to say members of the AMPTP, like Disney and Netflix. Unless specific concessions are made, they can't promote work for struck companies either. Yes, their publicists are reportedly panicking. Major studios, for instance, have been dropping out of Comic-Con rather than have a poor showing with the few actors who might cross the picket line. You likely wouldn't see actors promoting new movies like Barbie or Oppenheimer, or walking the red carpet at film festivals. WGA members have already stayed away, and of course, they won't be on set. So I, <laughs> I wanted to talk about this uh, as I said right after the writers went on strike. Um, but I I really struggled to find anything that was like giving me details about how it, it, it specifically impacts women or marginalized people, even though. To me, to us, this is getting equal compensation, fair compensation, is an intersectional feminist issue, no matter what. But we do have more info now, uh, and I want to start with some things because I have worked in, uh, I have worked in acting and with writing as well. So I have some personal experiences with this. One thing I would say: a lot of people have this misconception that actors and writers, to a lesser extent, are rich. Or they get paid a lot, which is not true. I have worked on projects where I literally didn't get paid anything, uh, which was not a SAG. That's illegal if it was a SAG project. But I have worked on projects that didn't get anything, like literally anything. A lot of times they'll promise you you'll get the footage for your reel and you never even get that. And because of the way streaming works, the industry's just changed so much. So you used to be able to If you got a job on a TV show, that meant like 20, 25 episodes that you were getting paid for. And so that was a decent amount of time. Whereas now with streaming, it's like 10 episodes. Sometimes it doesn't even, like you put in this work and it never airs. So you can't put it on your your resume. But that means that you like, there's a lot more time in between jobs. So you're having to make a check last for a very, very long time. Uh, And you might not even get it for months months and sometimes you have to contact the person and be like hey have you forgotten to pay me and they'll be like oh yeah like you're the one responsible for making sure you're getting paid this is just like i'm speaking from the heart right now but i know i'm not the only one and then you have these comments coming from these big ceos uh one of them from disney's uh bob Iger, which reminded me of the whole thing we talked about with Scarlett Johansson where Disney was like, mm-hmm. shame on her for mm-hmm. like, a, it's a pandemic and she's asking for money, how greedy. When it's like, hmm. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: TikTok actually, I watched a video with them like, praising her like, y'all want to forget that when she did this, you were try- they were trying to blame her as if mm-hmm. she was a greedy money uh, monger. But at the, at the truth of it all was knowing that the way streaming works people are getting less than cents for streaming and mm-hmm. that they just and it's all going pocketed to the CEO who makes millions if not billions and y'all want to play and now you mm-hmm. see it now now you're hearing it from other people outside of Scarlett Johansson and now you're mm-hmm. concerned oh, okay <laughs>
1: right right but they did that too where he said I'm pretty sure Bob Iger was the one that said like it's a shame like yeah, people are going to suffer financially for this. Like they're they're only putting people through worse conditions. I'm like, hmm, really? <laughs> yeah.
2: I think they also said that they love it.
1: This is this, they love this, right? What? Well, they may seems... love it, but they
2: love food too. So right. Need well, that. that
1: frustrates me so much with industries like this where it's so competitive. Is that it's like you must be so grateful to be there. Like you're lucky to be here. Anyone else will take your job. Pe- people do want to be there. They they love what they do. They want to tell these stories, but they can't tell them if they can't have a place to live, if they can't afford to feed themselves or their family, which is a big thing we're going to talk about in a second.
0: Can I rant for a sec? Please. Go to Nix.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. This episode
1: is brought to you by Pedigree. True love is always being excited from the first moment you see one another and every time after that. It's taking long walks together in the summer, gazing longingly into each other's eyes and, well, watching their tail wag when they chase a squirrel in the yard.
2: The Pedigree brand asked about believing in love at first sight. And honestly, the answer is yes. And I know you listeners know my love Peaches Gertrude McFuzzin, whom I've talked about so much, and she really was love at first sight. But I will tell you that it took a long time for me to find her. I actually was looking for a good two years before I stumbled upon her picture from my local shelter and knew the moment I saw her, that she was the one. And the minute I tell you when I saw that picture and I went to meet her at the shelter and I sat with her for a good 20 minutes, y'all, you know, I couldn't leave her. I knew she had to be
1: mine. I knew we belonged together. Peaches and I are friends as well. We are. Uh, we have a good relationship together. So. You can find love at first sight with the Pedigree Adoption Drive, June 7th to 9th. And the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions. So here's a quote from Time, which is a quote from the sag after president, Fran Drescher. We are being victimized by a very greedy entity. I am shocked by the way people that we have been in business with are treating us. I cannot believe it, quite frankly. How far apart we are on so many things. How they plead poverty, that they're losing money left and right while giving hundreds of millions of dollars to their CEOs. It is disgusting. Shame on them. They stand on the wrong side of history at this moment. And then here's a quote from Vox. Average pay for a top Hollywood executive was $28 million in 2021, a hike of 53% from 2018. Disney CEO Bob Iger, who called the actor's demands not realistic on TV on the morning the strike was called, recently signed a contract to run the company through 2026. and makes about $27 million a year.
2: You had a thought after the don't say gay stuff. But he would learn to keep his mouth shut at this point. You're (laughs) like, dude, you keep stepping in it, especially when it comes to your employees. Shut Mm -hmm. up,
1: man. (laughs) What are you doing? Right. And it's just like so out of touch. So much of it feels so out of touch and removed. Like he has no idea what like people who don't make millions of dollars are doing.
2: Again, like he's going to have to come back out with like, I I was being insensitive. Right. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to affect you for real. Yes. I do have to ask: Did you know? Did you see the clip about uh, from the nanny with friend Drescher, which she's she's somewhat problematic. She's had a lot of issues. Yeah. But did you see that clip? Have no, you heard I heard about think it? So. so there's a clip in the nanny where they are going to an event, but the bus boys and the the servers were all on strike, mm-hmm. and she comes out and she you know her character. Do, have you ever seen the nanny?
1: No. But I know what you're <sighs> talking about. <laughs> I know what you're talking about, though.
2: I well, I watched this. This is one mm-hmm. part of my children's programming with my parents. I did actually watch this. Mm-hmm. But they come out and she's like, oh, no, I can't go in there. And the and the rich dude's like, oh, you're embarrassing me. We have to go in. And she's like, no, I made three rules. And one of them was that I would never cross the picket line. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wow. So, of course, that's resurfaced. And everybody's mm-hmm. like saying she's true to that because she was one of the writers towards the end, I believe, of the nanny. Mm-hmm. So it felt, felt right on target. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Ah, oh, look at her. <laughs> Look at her. Although, technically, I guess that SAG was late to the game. They kind of mm. already did, but hey, uh, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, a lot of actors, like big-name actors, were pressing, like, we need to go on strike. We need to go on strike. Right. Um, they were
2: already at the picket line. I'm sure, I'm, I'm, I'm probably at me speaking. I'm, I'm guessing she was one of the ones that was supporting yeah. WGAE uh, to begin with. Uh, but, like, yeah, well, I know Greta Gerwig is a big conversation right now because, yes, she was a director, but also she was a writer of it. So doing all of the uh promotionals, people, are like, was that not scabbing?
1: <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's complicated, especially, because I know the Directors Guild is... They've recently signed their contract. Like, theirs went through. Yes, they're fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but going back to that point you made <laughs> about the reality shows, so I knew, like, even without... I'd heard rumors that SAG was going to go on strike... And even without, like, getting the notice, I knew, because all of a sudden, I am still an actor in Georgia. And Georgia's a right-to-work state, uh, which means that you can't, like, not give someone a job if they're not in a union. Uh, to get into SAG, you have to have three SAG-eligible projects, which can be complicated in a right-to-work state. I only have two, so I'm not even SAG-eligible. Which makes, I mean, you don't... Because so many people want to be an actor. Like, you can't just be somebody who's, like, never acted being like, get right. me in here. <laughs> right. But it is complicated in a state like Georgia. I'm, I mean, it's competitive and complicated everywhere. But it, in Georgia, uh, because it's a right work right state. But I knew the strike could happen because immediately I was getting all these casting notices because I'm not oh. in the union. And also... So many reality show notices. Like, I had to turn off my notifications. It was ridiculous. Wow, really? (laughs) So that's what I was thinking.
2: Like, are they going to bring back reality shows, which are already in existence um, Mm -hmm. and probably going to hit another all-time high? Because Netflix has already jumped on board with that. Mm -hmm. But I also wondered about, like, because Korean dramas and Asian dramas are big. However, Netflix does have a contract with Studio Dragon, which is one of the big studios in Korea. So I wondered how that will affect, because there was also that conversation because on TikTok, people are having a field day on conversations of content creators and where they need to stand and about scabbing and crossing the line and what that looks like. And a lot of the content creators want to be in the industry. And you're like, don't do this because there's a strict uh, rule and a notice sent out by the president, Fred Drescher, and then some saying, if you cross that line, you will never get into SAG. Like that was Very affirmative. Like, don't do this. If you are someone who is non-union and you get contact by one of those companies that are struck and you do it, you're gone. But all that to say, like, there's all this conversation. And then there was an uh, European woman, I believe. I don't know where she was, but she wasn't from the States. Coming and promoting uh, the Haunted Mansion. Mm -hmm. And it was the carpet was empty. No one was there. So it was very obvious this is during the strike. She was bragging about being there. So excited. Um, and everybody was like, way to go. It's been three hours and you cross that line. And her trying to explain, but I'm not from the States. And they're like, yeah, and you'll never work in the U.S. now. Like, if you wanted to be a worker in the U.S. with prominent movies, you'll never be able to do so from now on. And I thought, well, wow, that, that is interesting. How does that work internationally for things like this?
1: I believe SAG is international, especially uh, in Europe. I thought
2: they were um so it would cross over not just in the US like would the strike happen in Europe because they have different contracts.
1: Oh, then yeah, that might be that might be different. Um and that's the thing that's like you can go to their website, they have FAQs, they have a, like you can email them if you have questions because it can be complicated in terms of what is struck and what is not. Um but they have a pretty clear like one sheet you can look at right now. But I don't know. I will say There's another thing that I saw that they were uh, asking for, which is less reliance on um, having to do self-tapes, which you've helped me with um, for auditions. So this is basically where you um, either uh, at your home or there's companies that do it, you film your own audition. And the problem with that is a lot of times you have to pay for it, whether you go to a company and they do it for you or you do it at home because then you might need equipment or you might need something. <sighs> because the the joke is, and I don't think it's a joke, but within two to three seconds, the casting directors decide whether they're going to hire you or not. Um, especially if they don't know if you're not a big time actor. So if if like immediately your sound quality is not good, then they just you're out. So that's essentially having to pay to maybe have a job <laughs> you probably won't get. So that is that is one thing that I noticed. I was like, oh, yeah, uh-huh. Uh, here's a quote from Vox. There's also one actor-specific demand. The Guild wants to put limits on the use of self-tape auditions where an actor performs a scene on their own time and sends a video of it to producers, which they call a massive daily uncompensated burden on the lives of performers. And it's true. Like, you could get a casting notice and it's due in an hour and you have to pay for it. And... Like, that doesn't give you any time to prepare. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not good. It's not good for everybody. And all of a sudden, like, your whole day is around this. Like, I have to do this now. And if you don't turn in an audition, you can get penalized for that as well. Another thing, residual checks. Uh, very sad. There's a whole bar in L.A. I don't know if it's still there, but it's like they pay you. It's, you come in with your uh residual check. And if it's like seven cents, which sometimes it is then it, they, like, <laughs> they put that somehow involved in your drink. <laughs> they, like, take it off or something. Or maybe you get a free drink if it's under a certain price. Like, if anybody remembers, let me know.
2: Surely it'd be free. That's just
1: me. I think I think it is. I would take
2: seven cents. Yeah. Because the higher you get, the less you would get. Right, like, right, right. You, no, you no, pay, so that's I mean. think it's a,
1: if it's <laughs> under a certain amount, it's a free drink. And you show your check. But yeah, it's, like, really, really, again, you don't, people think, especially with actors, because people think, once you make it as an actor sure but for most working actors there's a reason why the running like understanding of them is that they have a job as a waiter also um so your checks are also really inconsistent when they arrive so you can't plan around it
2: well did you see the comment i'm sure there's been articles about the uh the the orange the new black actress Mm -hmm. who was in more than like 40 episodes, maybe? Maybe around, like, it was definitely like 30 or more episodes of all the episodes. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is kind of did launch streaming. Like, New, The oranges and the New Black really began a, a whole thing. She made like 72 cents in one year mm. for her entire work. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like, what <laughs> the f-? And she was, uh, she was in right. there constantly with speaking lines. And she still made that little.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a big really big misconception especially for things like that where you know we talked about this before but when streaming was new you didn't know to ask like you didn't know how it looked like um and that's and who was getting the profit exactly um and it as i said earlier because of streaming making one check that has to last you for maybe two years because you don't know when you're going to get your next project because that's just how streaming works Mm. and then As I mentioned, too, there's been a lot of discussion around the impact on single parents, often who are women, who can't not have a steady income. Like, they just can't. And so that's forcing people out. Um, Pregnancy discrimination, also. A lot of people talked about, like, they felt like they didn't get a job because they were pregnant. And as I said, I would argue that um, securing fair compensation is, at heart, an intersectional feminist issue. There are um, other things on top of that that definitely elevate it. Um, All of these conditions are worse for women, for people of color, for queer people. Here's a quote. Women, women of color, and LGBTQ plus people have the least access to writing jobs, and the financial precarity of the work could mean that they have to leave the industry altogether. And here's another one. Up until now, the share of underrepresented writers has been growing in the industry. Women make up about 45% of all TV series writers. People of color make up about 37%. Women of color are 21%, and LGBTQ people are nearly 12%, according to the Writers Guild of America's 2022 Equity and Inclusion Report. But there is still ample room for improvement. Writers with disabilities are only about 2% of TV series writers, and women and people of color are underrepresented as a share of the population. According to the WGA, the share of writers working at minimum pay is up from 33% a decade ago to nearly half today, as the median pay for writer-producers has fallen by 23% when adjusted for inflation. Yeah, so it's getting worse. Like, there's more representation, but the pay is worse, which is telling. (laughs) Um, There's also been a lot of talk about mini-rooms. You've probably heard of this, but this came up a lot with streaming. This is where a bunch of people get in a small room and try to work on a project that maybe will go nowhere. And so that's, like, your time wasted. And maybe it will go somewhere, but you'll never get any credit for it. and this, because of more women, more people of color, more queer people, all of that are in the industry, but because of these mini rooms, they're not getting the same connections that they would, which means you're just not going to get as far because it is a big connection-based industry. So that's been churning up a lot of discussion around nepotism, generational wealth, and it's just sort of a self-fulfilling cycle. And yeah, that idea that you should be so grateful that you even got this chance or the, like, stop complaining. Here's a quote from Jean Wong, co-chair of the WGA's Committee of Women Writers. The studios have been profitable every year, but writer wages have gone down every year. And the pay for women, and especially women of color, are still the lowest. On top of that, making writing a sustainable career is paramount for women, who still face sexism and ageism the most as mothers and are still forced out of the workplace. And that all impacts genuine representation the stories that are getting told. From WMC, lower-level writers also report resistance with respect to storytelling on controversial topics like abortion, according to researchers at the University of California at San Francisco. So that's what's going on with the strikes, um, and I'm sure we'll have more to say, Full updates. update.
0: This episode is brought to you by
1: Pedigree. True love is always being excited from the first moment you see one another and every time after that. It's taking long walks together in the summer, gazing longingly into each other's eyes and, well, watching their tail wag when they chase a squirrel in the yard.
2: The Pedigree brand asked about believing in love at first sight. And honestly, the answer is yes. And I know you listeners know my love Peaches Gertrude McFuzzin, whom I've talked about so much, and she really was love at first sight. But I will tell you, that it took a long time for me to find her. I actually was looking for a good two years before I stumbled upon her picture from my local shelter and knew the moment I saw her, that she was the one. And the minute I tell you when I saw that picture and I went to meet her at the shelter and I sat with her for a good 20 minutes, y'all, you know, I couldn't leave her. I knew she had to be mine.
1: I knew we belonged together. Peaches and I are friends as well. We are. Uh, we have a good relationship together. So. You can find love at first sight with the Pedigree Adoption Drive June 7th to 9th, and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Visit pedigree.com adoption dash drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all.
2: Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI.
1: There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in, I did want to do a quick rundown on something that happened at the Emmys, uh, which will be rescheduled if strikes are ongoing. Um, They're already talking about rescheduling it. So, as you know, I was excited. The Last of Us got 24 Emmy nominations. Uh, But it caused some conversation about the gendering of categories and the fact that there's no non-binary category. Because Bella Ramsey who plays Ellie in The Last of Us, recently revealed their gender-fluid identity and expressed their hope for the Emmys to be more exclusive with gender-neutral nominations and categories, and described the process for submitting as uncomfortable. This is not the first time someone's spoken out about it. Uh, Some non-binary people opt out to be nominated at all because of this. Here's someone's reaction on Twitter after the nomination was announced. Best actress for an openly non-binary person who wore a binder the entire filming. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. Sick. Sick. (laughs) And showrunner Craig Mazin told Variety, quote, On the one hand, the conversation about gender has transformed dramatically and in a very progressive and positive way. On the other, we have to practically make sure that by moving away from gendered categories, we don't shortchange traditionally overlooked folks. And we know that in non-gendered categories like directing and writing, women have been historically underappreciated. I don't know the answer, but I have every expectation that non-binary performers will soon be recognized in the respectful and appropriate way they deserve. And so, Collider had a whole article about this. Here's a quote. "Mazen noted the fact that the prizes without gender segregation, especially directing awards, are won disproportionately by men. No woman won the Best Directing Prize in the Oscars' first 80 years. Only three won in the 15 years since. On the other hand, they said... The Grammys did away with the gender distinction and vocal awards over a decade ago to so little fanfare, it's been all but forgotten. The TV Critics Association Awards have always been genderless. The MTV Movie Awards dropped at gendered acting awards back in 2017. Two of the biggest award shows for independent films, the Spirit Awards and the Gotham Awards, have both dropped their gendered categories in recent years to find that women are more represented in these categories than men. So there's a lot of proposed... um, solutions ways to do this better that uh collider outlined if you want to look it up um it is really really interesting i will also say this goes back to what we were talking about of you know if this many percent of directing awards are men then it's also a problem of who's getting those directing jobs for what projects anyway
2: and i wonder how much has to do with money like because you to uh so you know we've heard all the money that's being spent to be in a category, so. Hmm.
1: Yes, that is true. And here's another quote from Clyder that kind of relates to that. If award shows want us to grant four discrete acting awards, they can. There's no reason these four must be gendered. Giving out an award each year to a breakout actor is an option. The Spirit Awards implemented in their first gender-free acting year, that award went to Stephanie Zhu for her role in Everything Everywhere All at Once. Screen acting awards can take a page from SAG and grant awards for ensemble performances, Other solutions to the gender dilemma in awards include expanding genre-based awards beyond drama and comedy. Anything dealing with genres can be sticky. See the White Lotus classified by the Emmys as a drama and the Bear as a comedy, for example. And genre trends are fickle. I often think this. Sometimes I'll see, like, awards and it's in comedy and I'm like, really?
2: Um, <laughs> I also think it's funny when it's comedy or musical. I'm like, right? How are they the same? <laughs> yeah, was it
1: Nope? Like in comedy musical, there was one where I was like, I don't know about that. I was
2: like, wait, <laughs> that is a full on like La La Land. Yeah, that's a drama, right? Like, I'm like, how?
1: It is. It okay, cool. Yeah, no, I've long been confused by that. So there has been movement movement about it, and this has sparked conversation about it. So we'll see what happens. But in the meantime, that's kind of our wrap. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I didn't mean to make myself laugh um, on what's going on <laughs> in Hollywood. <laughs> that was really unintentional. I'm kind of embarrassed. Uh, but if anyone, I know we have some people we know, we work with um, who are uh, at the picket line with their signs. If anyone is involved, please let us know if you have any thoughts about it as well. Uh, you can email us at stuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast or on Instagram and TikTok at Stuff I Never Told You. You can also check out our T Public site. We have merchandise on there. You can pre-order our book at StuffYouShouldReadBooks.com or on Audible for the audiobook. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Christina, our executive producer, Maya, and our contributor, Joey. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production by iHeartRadio. For more podcasts on iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite shows.